0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: Find your new ride at Kia Macomb's all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why Macomb loves Kia Macomb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, the show that every single day celebrates the people of Mississippi who are making this such a great place to live, work, and play. And from the STMM Digital Studio, the digital marketing arm of uh, Supertalk Mississippi Media, I want to welcome our listeners from Jackson and, and Delton across Mississippi on, on uh, Supertalk TV. A lot of people watch the show on Facebook or YouTube or your favorite podcast. We're on all the popular platforms, but I uh, appreciate your listening and your feedback and your engagement in the show. We really appreciate that. You know, one of the things for, for regular listeners, you know this already, I, I was a drummer all my life. You know, once a drummer, always a drummer. Been around music all my life. My mother was a piano teacher. And so when I talk about Mississippi being the birthplace of Amer- American music, that's such a core understanding of what that's all about, beyond just the history. Of course, we produced the king of rock and roll. We had the father of country music, who was from here, the king of blues. Um, I've, uh, I'm a huge Robert Johnson fan, and you think about the impact that that blues uh, guitarist had on music around the world. It's quite fun- funda- fundamental the role that Mississippi has played in influencing music around the world. Uh, this is the place, the home of of uh, music icons, and one of them did something really special. The country, the uh, Congress of Country Music is a project initiated by country music icon Marty Stewart. It's a museum and it's a cultural center, so it's basically dedicated to celebrating and preserving the rich history and heritage of country music in America. Uh, That that project creates a great place for fans and musicians and scholars to, to come together and explore those roots of that incredibly important genre of country music. More recently, you may have seen where there's been a lot of press about this Dolly Parton show that's coming up at the Ellis Theater, which is actually located at the Marty Stewart Congress of Country Music in Philadelphia, uh, but to make it clear, you know, you've seen these $1,800 prices on the on the uh, tickets, etc. Um, this is a fundraiser. This is a really important fundraiser for Marty Stewart. And he said of Dolly coming to this uh, to this uh, deal, he said, "We are thankful for Dolly." Uh, that she has uh, so graciously donated her time to help raise money for the Congress of uh, Country Music. And without any further ado, I have a very special visitor today and guest on my show. I want to talk to Marty Stewart about his efforts and uh, this very special visit he's about to get from Dolly uh, Parton. How you doing, my friend?
1: I'm good. Well, you're preaching this morning, Rick. You're preaching my sermon. Go right ahead.
0: Like <laughs> I have to, man, because, you know, your your efforts are really rooted in this incredible contribution that Mississ- Mississippi's made to the world, literally to the world. I mean, you, of course, I know you talk this all the time, but you look across beyond even country music. The role that Mississippi's played in influencing music around the world is fundamental, isn't it?
1: It is immeasurable. Mississippi's contribution, past, present, and future is not just about the past. But people, groups are still evolving out of the state that are making a difference other than just selling records. It's their cultural icons. And uh, I'm so proud of that legacy. I'm so proud just to be a small part of that, that legacy of all those people that have stood but uh, I love the way the state lays out all these little jewel boxes from Elvis's birthplace to BB's museum to the Grammy Museum the Clarksdale Museum uh, and the Max and Meridian the Jimmy Rogers Museum and the Congress of Country Music is an attempt to just weigh in country music's presence inside of all of those and I know that, that the South State's about to wake up and some things are starting to happen down there so we can keep an international, local or uh, whoever a visitor for, you know, 10, 12 days and you never run out of music trails to run things, to learn things, to see things, to experience our culture, food, you know, conversation, yarns, you know, legends. Uh, it's just, it's, it's awesome that I feel like the creative legacy of Mississippi is one of the greatest things that we have to offer ourselves with out there on the world stage.
0: It really is. And our friend Steve Azar, the music and cultural ambassador for the state, ought to be threatened because you sounded just like Steve just then.
1: Uh, No, Steve's not threatened. Steve and I are (laughs) locked at the heart on this thing. And he is such a great, great, you know, talent and to begin with he's a great talent then you get into the whole ambassador part of his life he's just great he is just great i'm one of his biggest fans
0: yeah it's i know i know you are man and uh, and i am one of his and your greatest fans as well hey listen uh, you got to be thrilled with the with the evolution of the congress of country music and the way that your vast collection is going to be able to be showcased and and now the opportunity to attract someone, your longtime friend Dolly Parton, to the to the area to, to help you raise money for this, um, th- the evolution of this has been terrific, hasn't it?
1: Well, we, we've done it. Yes, it has. And the state's participation. You know, we have had so much help from the state house helping us fund this thing along with private funding and it's a life sentence and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, it's for the rest of my life. I call it my hillbilly presidential library, but <laughs> I love the fact that, um, and country music has broad shoulders. So we have a lot of friends, but, uh, to see it, the Ellis theater, which was phase one, we opened last December. Connie I and the Superlatives played at the night one, Ricky Skaggs, Vince and It was just one great actor after another. And this year, Dolly kicks off season two. But after Dolly, you know, you have state legends like Dorothy Moore and Bobby Rush coming, but you also have uh, Steve Miller Band and Roger McGuinn and Wynton Marsalis, Ashley McBride, the Mavericks, Kentucky Headhunters. The Library of Congress, Graceland, and Turner Classic Movies come to host film festivals. This is world-class stuff that is coming to Philadelphia, Mississippi, to run alongside of the vision. And I, as we speak, architectural plans are being drawn to get the rest of the building up and running. And I hope we start building the rest of it by the first of the year, end of this year, or first of next year.
0: I, I said it's interesting the way you said this is a life sentence, and you know I get that. I mean, I've personally I've been. Committed to coastal Mississippi all my life, and after Katrina, we had to work so hard to rebuild. But when you when you place your passion on something that's going to contribute back to the place you love so much, that's a wonderful life sentence to have, isn't it, my friend?
1: It man, it is. And when I was growing up in Philadelphia, I was I mean I, the the Neshoba County Fair, the Choctaw Indian Fair, uh, the Record Bin. At Morgan Lindsay Dime Store, the magazine rack at Hamill Drug Store, uh, and you know country music coming on TV on Saturdays on our local stations. That was my classroom. That was my. That's where I got to see, feel, and touch, and and look at things that I love so much. And now. <laughs> You know, I I remember the first time I saw Dolly Parton on the Porter Wagner show on a TV. We finally got that was color. She was like a fairy princess in in (laughs) there. And before he died, Johnny Cash came to our town. Merle Haggard came. But those people come into a place that I loved as a kid to support this idea to leave their imprint and their fingerprints for kids to come, old timers to come, people that love this culture to come and feast on. It's beyond comprehension. And twenty thousand pieces in my collection, which is world class, I always wondered what I was gonna do with it. And one day I went, take it home. Take it home.
0: So Morty, you think about you think about Dolly for a second. Her brand gets stronger with 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 the passing time and i don't you know I, th- I think about what she's done up in up in the great smokies and and what uh, what appeals to people about that the way that she certainly her music the way that she has presented herself the way that she has been for everyone her her book commitment my goodness my all of my kids and my grandkids were the benefactors of her her books um but, but dolly has stood the test of time and and become greater as a person over the years. It's a, it's quite an amazing story, isn't it?
1: I think so. And you know the thing just pointing back to her, you know, when the pandemic started, I remember seeing that she donated a million dollars to Vanderbilt up here just for research for vaccines which were, you know, not around at that time, anything to help out. I love the fact that she went back into her homeland of the eastern part of Tennessee and provided a place first of all that gave a lot of people jobs and then brought the imagination library along for children probably that was raised like her that didn't have a lot so from from any any point you know financially if you can afford to go ride or ride or help out or get a job she's outfitted the people of East Tennessee in that part of the world with a whole lot of goodness and when we talked about this I asked her about coming to Philadelphia to help out. She she was the one. She said, "I want it to be a fundraiser," and I said, "Okay." She said, "I want to do two shows." She set the she set the rules right there. Yes, ma'am. So, um, you know, from thirty five hundred dollars a ticket to thirty five dollars outside, it was designed kind of like Dollywood. Everybody at every level can have a chance.
0: We're going to continue our conversation about this upcoming fundraiser, and for people, especially on the coast, who have not paid attention to uh, Marty, we're going to talk about his collection and some of the the incredible one-of-a-kind pieces that are part of his collection. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Marty Stewart. We'll see you after this. and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is
1: the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Marty Stewart with us, and we're talking about this dream that he's got that's slowly but surely coming to fruition in the Congress of Country Music and this wonderful fundraiser that's coming up. As he was saying when we went to break, Dolly Parton said, make it a fundraiser and uh, I'm going to do two shows. And tell us about the evolution since then.
1: Uh, As far as the event, well, you you hit it on the head. I think when I went to talk to her earlier in the year, about coming down there, and I asked her. I said, "Or what are you running for? Queen of the world, or what?" Because <laughs> you, you cannot turn on your phone or the television or your iPad or the computer without every single day there's something good that she is doing for somebody out there in the world. So she's worthy of her praise. But um, one of the things that I, I love about her is how selfless she is, and she knows what we're doing here. She gets it. She helped invent it and for the golden era of country music there are so few you know left Willie, uh, Nelson and my wife Connie Smith, and Dolly then it get starts getting real thin but Dolly, you know, I think everybody points to as the global touchstone for you know that end of the culture.
0: Hey I went to I went to an event last night. And um, at, it was at the Hard Rock, and while I was there, I uh, saw a really good friend of mine, Joe cloyd. you may re- actually remember he worked at one time for for haley Barber, and he's had it. He's, he bought tickets for him and his wife to 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 come up there, and he was really looking forward to it, and we actually envied him for 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 the opportunity that he's got in front of him. but um you know this is you know, I, I can't I can understand why why Dolly would want to want to help you. I mean, you guys go back a long way, don't you?
1: First time I ever met her, you know, again, she was like a fairy princess in our living rooms in the, in the sixties. And I went to work with Lester flat at the Grand Ole Opry in 1972. I was 13. And I think a year later, Lester was a guest on the Porter Wagner show. And Dolly was walking around. This is funny. She walked around. She stopped at me. She said, what do you do? I said, I play with Lester. She said, you do. And she she said, well, you need some makeup. She took out her makeup kit and started putting makeup on me. I I wouldn't have cared if she'd have painted me purple. There was Dolly Parton this close to me. And we became friends that day, and we've been friends ever since. She's like family. As time has gone on, Dolly's just like family. She's
0: like yeah. That's sister. a special thing to, to to. That's a very special thing to be able to say. The fundraiser, incidentally, let's let's get some of the details out of the way. When, and again, it's at the Ellis Theater. What people can do to get tickets. Let's get that that the, those basics out.
1: Dolly's playing two shows: one at three and one at seven this Saturday, and. When the word fundraiser came up, I went that I immediately thought expensive tickets, and I stay out of ticketing pricing. I do not touch the price of tickets; that's out of my league. But uh, it was uh, told me there's a, com- a comparable to going to one of those big old convention centers with white tables where everybody buys, you know, tables. And so the most expensive ticket was on the front row for $3,500, which was unheard of in that part of the world. And the tickets went all the way down to like $350 in the back of the house. And I said, well, that sounds cheap, but there's still a lot of people that can't afford to come to that. You know, the kind of people that raised me. Yeah. And mom and daddy could not have afforded to take and me and my sister to see Dolly Parton, even at $350 a ticket. That's a month's worth of rent, car payments, and food, and education. So I said, if, you, if we make a million dollars a minute and the local folks don't get to come, it's a hollow victory. So Buck Allman, the general director came up with, what if we go out front and put a jumbotron, a dollytron? And I said, all right, 35 bucks a ticket. So from $35 to 3,500 and Dolly's gonna make an appearance outside and, you know, and unveil a mural that uh, depicts one of her songs right across the street. So at least you can lay eyes on her, but that was the only way that we could come up with to get everybody served down there.
0: Yeah, that and that's actually awesome. What what a great way to have a fundraiser, but also create an affordable opportunity for people to see on a jumbotron or whatever you're going to use to to show that to be able to to for have them to listen to it and maybe even get this opportunity to see her in person. You know, I tell you, when you think about the the instruments and the costumes and the photographs and the handwritten lyrics and all these significant artifacts you've been able to gather from country music legends, it is. It's significant, isn't
1: it? Well, it's it's pretty astounding. And I I recently, it took 13 or 14 months, the the collection was reappraised. And the, the appraiser, who is an old veteran in that world, At the end of it all, he says, I don't think I've ever been in front of a a private collection of this magnitude and of this quality. He says, I would simply say that what you have here is crown jewels of the country music culture. And I said, I'll take you up on that.
0: (laughs) Well, Well, Marty, I know you've been asked this a thousand times, but in that collection, what are the things that just still give you chill bumps when you see them? Connie Smith, Ricky,
1: <laughs> that girl still gives me chills. Um, Johnny Cash's first black suit. Yeah. Hank Kim's handwritten lyrics to I saw the light in your cold, cold heart. The telegram that, uh, Hank Williams mom sent to Hank Williams sister says come at once Hank is dead. Mm. Uh, the boots Patsy Klein was wearing when she lost her life. Um, you know, there's there's about twenty thousand artifacts at that level that um, I can keep. I can keep you for a good day, and we can tell stories all day long.
0: Marty, I I don't know that I know the answer to this question, but when did it occur to you that you were going to start doing this?
1: Well, I was always, you know, I, I can tell it takes one to know one, and I know you are a music fan. I don't, I know that you love music probably right now as much as you did when you were fifteen years old. So I just started out as a music fan when bands or quartets would come through Philadelphia. It was as simple as buying a record, getting an autograph, buying an eight by ten picture. Can I have your guitar pick, whatever? But when I went to Nashville, all those old timers, those old master architects and cultural. Uh, folk heroes raised me. In the early 1980s, there was a big cultural shift. The urban cowboy culture took hold, and the old timers were kind of out to pasture. So I was—I noticed that their belongings, um, people that were so famous that invented country music, their stuff was starting to show up in thrift shops junk stores, uh, music shops. I bought Patsy Klein's train case, hand tooled train case for seventy five dollars in a junk store on Eighth Avenue in National. Like, this is wrong. This is just wrong. It'd be like seeing your grandpa's, you know, precious item in a in a thrift store. So what do you do? You you buy it. So it became a self-appointed mission to start protecting, curating, and you know, rescuing those kind of treasures. So it started in my bedroom, and now we're building a cultural center around it. It went crazy.
0: Man, that is incredible. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. You and I chatted a little bit off the air about, about Haley Barber. And, um, you know, he's 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 been a, a good partner to have in your journey. And then you had Phil Bryant, who was also a terrific partner. You've got a great partner and Governor Reeves today. But it, it takes a village. It takes a village to, to build something like you're building.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm telling you. it takes. It, it's, it's built one handshake at a time. And one, one hug at a time. And one contribution. One good story at a time. The thing that really started this Back at the at the turn of the century, when I really fell back in love with coming home and trying to contribute in some way, uh, I noticed that the blues trail markers were everywhere, and they were beautiful. And I went to Haley. Uh, Mary Beth Wilkerson was the uh, tourism director at the time, but she started with her and a fellow named David Vowell in Philadelphia. We went to wound up at Haley's office. I said, Haley, can I have a country music trail? He says, "Well, let's work on it." And Phil was running. Phil Bryant was running for lieutenant governor at the time, and he he adopted the cause, and we we got it done. And now there's so many and more coming, but it that started out the endorsement of the state, and there's been so much help from legislature and you know house. From it's just been great.
0: Our friend uh, uh, Craig Ray. Former director of Visit Mississippi refers to it as the largest open air museum in the United States, and it's true. And it is special, man. To, to, to take that tour, not only does it bring you to substantial places, historic places where the markers are located, but it brings you to the heart of Mississippi. Uh, I mean, it's just. It's just incredible. I, I was out. I was out in the middle of nowhere and came up on one of the Mississippi Delta, and it was BB King's birthplace. And it literally is in the middle of nowhere. And I'm thinking, man, the vision to create something like this that brings people, draws people into the heart of Mississippi is brilliant.
1: Well, it's like going back to the Promised Land for a lot of uh, travelers. I know when the Rolling Stones come, they make a path to the Delta. And, you know, the same with the guys from Led Zeppelin and so many people, they, they, this is the mother's land to those guys. And I, I think after you read those trail marker signs and you look around and sometimes there's nowhere to go except the little store three miles down the road, but what those marker systems to me essentially do is they bring people face to face with real Mississippians. And they, f- true. they find a warm welcome. They find stories. And uh, you know, the first thing you know, you have a new friend, and the next time you come, you've got two new friends. That is the beauty of it to me: is that if you can just sit down and start visiting. You got something going,
0: Marty Stewart. It's been great to catch up with you. Good luck at the Ellis Theater this weekend with two shows with Dolly Parton. You can buy a thirty-five dollar ticket and still get a lot of wonderful access. Have a great day, my friend. We'll see you later.
1: Thank you, Ricky. All the best, pal.